on 2SM and the Super Network. High Tide. Thanks to Shimano. Tomorrow's tackle today. If only I could go. We are heading for tops in the mid-20s up and down the east coast of Australia today. A little bit warmer the further north you might head, but if you're heading off the off the coast, south to south, westerly winds, 10 knots tending south to south easterly, 15 knots in the middle of the day, then decreasing to 10 knots. So not bad out there. Below one metre is the predicted seas. Weather partly cloudy, 60% chance of a shower. There is a marine strong wind warning for the Byron Coast. And Kieran Reiki, it's interesting to note that we are just days away from the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party celebrating 30 years. Believe it or not, how quickly has that gone? And I believe at the moment you were telling me during the week as uh, Robert uh, Borzak joins us online that they were celebrating a little bit this week. He is celebrating again. And I think, I'll tell you one thing. Johnny Tingle would be very, Happy. very pleased yeah. with what Robert's done. Robert, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Grant. Good morning, Kieran. How are you both? Some good news during the week? Yeah, we finally came to the end of the uh, the process of, of uh, fr- uh, counting for the upper house and um, uh, the party. Uh, I was re-elected uh, in position number twenty out of twenty-one, which was good to see. The uh, in the end of the day, there was no there was no real competition. Uh, the last what is it three four positions generally always go sub quota and. Um, uh, we were elected in a reasonably comfortable way. Uh, the last position was taken by, uh, and the good news is, was taken by a Liberal uh, who uh, managed to knock out the Animal Justice Party candidate for oh. taking the last position. Well done. Yeah, so I think that's uh, a really uh, a really good thing. That's the way it worked out. And uh, obviously the electorate decided that this time around... Um, uh, the Animal Justice Party uh, weren't going to get a gig. So uh, they're in a situation of having lost one member. Uh, we've retained ours. I think the, the coalition are two down, and I think uh, Labor are probably one up on where they were originally. So they're looking at a situation now in the upper house where you've got it split down the middle as far as left and right is concerned, 21-21. Uh, it's going well, to be an interesting right. ride for the next four years. Robert, I had lunch with a good friend of mine who writes books, uh, Gary Carter, on Wednesday, and he said, well, your mate's been re-elected, Mr. Borzak. That means that he'll be in control. He'll be the decision-maker of whatever happens. I said, well, that would be a good thing. That means that you and the will all get a fair deal. I always think it's a good thing when the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party have an opportunity to do something good for their constituents, mate. Um, yeah, but, but have but, done. Previously, I, that's why you're there. Yeah, that's why we're there, exactly. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it as black and white as what the media is trying to paint it and what your mate said. Um, uh, it's not... Uh, yeah, you can say you're in the driver's seat, I've said that, but in the end of the day, the government has got a lot of options, things they can do. And, who, and people they can talk to and how they can cut deals. So, you know, it's just a matter of having a look at what we think is important. Uh, we've spent the last 12 years uh, under the previous government defending the rights of fishers, for example, trying to get better uh, fishing conditions, stopping marine parks in 2018 when they sought to basically wipe out 
wipe out saltwater fishing on the coast and in Sydney Harbour. Um, maybe we can get something positive if we work uh, carefully and properly with this government. Let's see how we go. And sometimes, Robert, it's it's not about what you can bring in, but more about being a squeaky wheel that can make the difference. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a list of things the uh, the, the uh, fishers would always like to see and uh, and have happen. I think there's lots of issues around, um, and Mark Benassiak's got his head around this much better than me, of course, but uh, it's his constituency area. But uh, there are a lot of things that the uh, the trust funds are spending money on that really should be reviewed uh, and should be, in our view, put back to what they were originally designated for. Um, I think there's a whole lot of issues that could be uh, worked on with the government if they feel that they want to work with us on on improving access, uh, improving uh, bag limits. Uh, I think some of that stuff got a little bit silly. Uh, and so on and so on. I think there's there's an awful lot that can be done, and we we want to work with the government. It's not a matter of you know being in the driver's seat or anything as as trite as that. It's really just what can we do to work with the government and see things go forward and see our constituents, the the, the fishers in New South Wales, both saltwater and inland. I might add, what can we do to help out and and get things improved not just continually see things degraded and taken away. Yeah, Robert, I, I mentioned in the intro that we're approaching the 31st birthday of the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party. Um, 2nd of May 1992, it was founded, and we're just a week away uh, from that birthday celebration. I'm wondering, in your opinion, how has the party changed or refined over those years? Oh, that's a big question. A very, very big question. Has the focus the focus changed? I'm, I'm interested to hear. Well, I think the party's focus has has changed an awful lot. The very fact that I'm talking to you uh, on the radio this morning, and the very fact that we talk regularly uh, in relation to matters uh, on fishing, rec- recreational fishing, is one clear indicator of a massive change yeah. uh, in the focus of the party. Um, the, the name Fishers didn't come into the party by accident, for example. It, it came about because we had members who were not only shooters at the time, but also fishers who were saying, look, you know, shooters may be copying it in the neck with legislation and bad bad administration, but um, what we're seeing also is that fishers are copying it. And in those days, it was in a, with a Labor government that was looking to put, for example, marine parks in place with no, on no scientific basis, and we still have those parks today, based not on science but based on politics. So uh, it's then it, then it expands into farmers, expands into all sorts of other issues, and I suppose uh, apart for a small party that was established basically to protect shooters' rights, um, we've expanded into all sorts of areas, trying to help the underdog. Who in society, especially if you live away from Sydney, yeah. uh, are being ignored or being put upon by a government that really doesn't care, and it doesn't matter what side of politics they're on, the government is on, whether it's a Labor-based government or whether it's a, a coalition government, they're always doing things uh, in their own self-interest. And I think part of, a large part of our job is to put our hand up and say, "Hang on, what about? Have you thought about this? Hang on, what are you going to do about that?" And I think that's really. Uh, where we're at, um, yeah, in, in, in the simplest and shortest terms. You could write an essay about this, Brent. Yeah, yeah, but, but well answered. I mean, the, the big thing was that, that originally it just more or less started off as a shooter's party and as it expanded uh, into into the entity that it is today. 
Yeah, and, and look, we've, we've, you know, getting things done in politics is very, very hard. Um, uh, shooters have always been vilified in the media. Uh, there's no question of that, and that's another, that's another problem that we've been trying to deal with for years. I mean, we clearly know that uh, law-abiding citizens who want to own firearms and go shooting or go hunting uh, are not the same people that run around shooting each other on the streets of Sydney or somewhere else in New South Wales. You know, it, it's, um, it's funny, Robert, I, I'm a gamer, and there was a guy reviewing a, a game that was, you know, relatively violent. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't really, it was very, very violent. But, and he said, you know, so often an entire community is blamed on the problems of individuals, and you can't you can't dish out all of the problems associated with an individual on an entire community. It's unfair. People, I mean, a lot of people jump up and down about guns because of things that they see in America. But that is an individual person. That's they're going to do that, either irrespective of whether there's gun laws or not. Keeping a sensible approach to all of this, keeping a balanced approach is where you're going to find an equilibrium that pleases everybody. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, look, I think that's going in the right direction, Grant. Um, uh, the reality is Australia, New South Wales, is not the United States. No. Uh, and we have a different culture entirely when it comes to firearms ownership and firearms usage. Um, you know, we don't have a, a constitution that gives us the, the rights that they have. Whether, whether that's good or bad, it's up to you to decide individually. Uh, but we, we have a sporting shooter culture. That's what it is. Yes. And, uh, uh, and, and it's primarily orientated around people who like to go out in the bush, sit around the campfire, uh, go hunting, and at the same time actually go fishing. I mean, I, you know, lots and lots of us do that. We all do it. And that's, that's where the, um, the synergy occurs between shooters and fishers, the shooters, fishers and farmers party. That's how it works, and we've become very much a party of advocacy for the bush. You know, that, and that's part of that's one of our slogans. We're biased for the bush because we don't see the bush getting its fair share of what should be uh, handed out. I mean, when it comes to uh, winning seats in Sydney in the eastern suburbs or the North Shore, there's always talk about conservation, and that's important. But in the end of the day, there's no talk about compensation for farmers who lose control of their land because the government decides that uh, they are going to work out how much land you're allowed to use for farming, how much you're allowed to use for grazing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, um, and that's disgusting. <laughs> that's just out and out disgusting. Exactly, exactly right. And, you know, fiddling with the water in the Murray-Darling, you know, uh, that, that may play well in Canberra and it may play well uh, to certain, you know, certain constituents in New South Wales in Sydney, but it, it has horrendous, horrendous effects on communities in, um, in the Murray uh, and in the Darling Basin. And uh, no one actually is prepared to sit down and think that stuff through and make sure that those communities get their fair share and are dealt with properly yeah. so that their, their community can be maintained and prosper. Mm. Very well said. Thanks, Robert, for that. Thank you, Kieran. Thanks very much, mate. You are, where are you at? Marichidor, are you? I am. I am, and the sun, uh, oh, the sun hasn't come, but the wind started to come up, I'd say, around about 15 odd knots in it at the moment, and looks like it's going to, oh, and, and gusting maybe to 25. Sounds good. Sounds and, like a nice day, a nice day ahead. And Robert, the blokes, have got, 
sailing boats. <laughs> <laughs> and Robert, the yeah, sa- well, they'd like to do, uh, get the three wins. And I suppose the question over the next term is uh, for you, Robert, uh, as we say goodbye to you and thank you very much for your time. You survive in politics, but can you survive being known as Kieran's friend? That's the million-dollar question. Well, that's the $6 million question, <laughs> mate. I, look, I, I, I actually happen to think that uh, part of me being re-elected uh, was because I am Kieran's friend. <laughs> oh, there you go. Thank you. Mate, really appreciate your time and congratulations on getting back in. That's that's absolutely fantastic. No, th- thanks very much and thanks to all of those that have been uh, not just supporters of me but supporters of the party because we're here for the long run. We're here to do the right thing for fishers. Robert Borsak there, the uh, head of the uh, Shooters, Farmers and Fishers Party, and we do appreciate his time because he brings a lot of sensibility to, to the program, and that's much needed from time to time. Kieran, how are you? Yeah, too true. You know, people say to me, Kieran, why do you talk politics on, well, on a fishing show? I said, that's a so that you can keep fishing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and like, you know, when he was talking about the farmers and the Murray Dowling, they're all things that do either directly or indirectly affect fishers. If I didn't utilise the strength of the radio, a lot of fishers wouldn't be fishing today and a lot of boaters wouldn't be both. You be careful what you say because, you know, you will be held to account. Oh, uh, that happens on a regular basis. <laughs> Stand by, Kieran. We're going to take a quick commercial break at 19 minutes after six. Talking sport has Sydney talking. Hello, boy. Oh, hang on a sec. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the smoke had gone upstairs, you know, and uh, yeah. when he got to my son's bedroom, got all St George stuff up there, yeah. and um, he looks at the stuff, he turns around, he was with another guy, and he goes, you're John. Oh, it was just so funny. You know, my wife goes, oh, my God. Your show's popular, boy. Infamous. <laughs> you're famous, mate. Weekdays from three. After you to be my MC at my wedding, Dolphin oh. Alsovania. Oh. Are you interested? Well, I, 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 I <laughs> I can't, I can't answer anything I don't have, Al. Look, as, uh, as Graham's representative, you'll need to put all of that in writing. <laughs> talking sports has Sydney talking. How close is this rugby league competition going to be this year? I'm just in by it, actually. I mean, who would have thought that the Warriors and the Dolphins would start the way they did? It's bizarre. The way the comp is, it's just unbelievable, you know? Talking sport, weekdays from three. The legendary Don McLean is returning for his farewell tour of Australia to celebrate the 50th anniversary of American Pie. And I love you so. Saturday, April 22 at the Sydney Coliseum, Rudy Hill. Tickets on sale now at oneworldentertainment.com.au. Don McLean, last shows ever in Australia. Get your tickets now. With more and more people preferring to shop online these days, a new website from List Designs can help you harness the potential of these customers. List Designs will create a website that's affordable, functional and looks fantastic. Mention 2SM and get a new HTML or WordPress 10-page website tailor-made for your specific requirements from just $600. Go to listdesigns.com.au 
or call List Designs on 0404042492. A practical, inexpensive Mother's Day gift idea is Stiff, Sore and Sorry Pain Relief Gel. If you, your mum or someone else you know suffers from arthritis and other aches and pains, Stiff, Sore and Sorry is the gift that keeps on giving. Always read the label, use only as directed and if symptoms persist, see your healthcare professional. To find the location of your nearest Stiff, Sore and Sorry stockist, go to the website loveoilcollection.com.au You can escape the rat race and enjoy a leisurely break at Mudgee's Winning Post Motor Inn. As a special bonus, when you make a reservation at Winning Post Motor Inn, mention you heard about it here and you'll receive a complimentary bottle of local Charnwood Estate wine to take home with you. To find out more or to make a reservation, you go to winningpostmotorin.com.au or you can call Mudgee's Winning Post Motor Inn for a booking on 63 72 33 33. 2SM has Sydney talking. 2SM has Sydney talking. More of High Tide on 2SM and the Super Network. Thanks to Shimano. Tomorrow's tackle today. If only I could go fishing down the river again. Up before the sun. It is 22 minutes after six here on High Tide. If you're heading off the coast, particularly up north, you want to be a little bit careful. Strong wind warning is current. Time now to catch up with Kieran Reeky's neighbour. <laughs> Good morning, Swanee. Oh, I shudder every time I hear that. <laughs> morning, morning, Grant. Morning, Kieran. How are you, Swanee? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, I was sitting up here looking out the window and wondering good when windy. this southerly set's going to finish. And the answer is I'll probably be sitting here next Saturday, according to the weatherman, and saying the same thing. Uh, 20, 30 knots. Southerlies, uh, we had gusts of uh, 60 kilometres an hour, one gust off Norton during the week and another one off Double Island Point of 80 k. So, yeah, definitely stay at home. Uh, definitely don't go or even try to poke your head outside this weekend and it looks like it's just going to continue all week, according to Livio, the weatherman. So, uh, yeah, stick to the estuaries. You've got some pretty big tides at the moment, uh, 1.9 tides up here. Uh I think around about 12 o'clock in the estuary high. So, um, yeah, get, uh, if you've got a kayak or a small tinny, get yourself up in the creeks, get out of the wind a bit, and uh, there's some good mangrove jackboon taken. Um, that's generally about it. I, uh, if you want to have a fish, probably Channel Island, uh, tuck yourself in uh, on the northern side of Channel Island. There's a, there's a uh, gutter run through there, and there's a few brims starting to kick around, so... Um, you know, you'll get yourself a feed of brim there, yabbies, uh, strips of mullet, uh, strips of gar with the bait. Um, but I, I'd probably wait until this afternoon and get the first couple of hours of the run out so you can fish better. But you can try the run out this morning, but I'll be trying that uh, later on. And, uh, yeah, and uh, you get a little bit of protection from the wind there. Um, generally, that's about it. I've put the crab pot in during the week. And I uh, got my biggest crab ever. It was around 18 centimetres. Um, but uh, that was very nice. But uh, um, I went down when I was down pulling the pot out. I took a run past the uh, the boat ramp in Fisherman's Wharf. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, there were a couple of boats coming back in. 
Uh, they've been blowing about a bit, but one fellow, a uh, little Korean Australian fellow, he had some really nice brim around the eight, nine hundred gram mark. Uh, he was fishing the cod hole, he said, with fillies, uh, half fillies. Uh, and the other fellow, he had a uh, 63 centimetre barra. I've met this bloke before. Last time I ran into him, he had an 83 centimetre barra. And he also had a couple of nice jacks. And he wouldn't tell me where he got them, but uh, he keeps it close to his chest. But he, <laughs> he, fished, he fishes for barra all the time up here. But, but they're an infrequent catch here. A lot of them, uh, when we have the flood, they get out of the fishing farm over at Blybly. And uh, we've got a bit of a stock in the water there. If you know what you're doing, and he does, and he fishes moons and tides, and he has a bit of success. So, you know, um, I think probably the... I tried to work out the tide he was fishing. It was run out tide anyhow, so where he was fishing, I don't know. He'd be but, useless for a fish report, wouldn't he? Oh, look, there's good uh, brim at the moment. Whereabouts? Can't tell you. Flat out of biting? Whereabouts? Can't tell you. I, I can tell you, but I'd have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> a bit That's like surfers with their, their favourite surf locations. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what it's like. Anyhow, up here at the moment, it's blowing a gale. Kieran will attest to that. He'll walk out onto his balcony and probably have to stick his head back in again. Well, he only came up there for the crabs, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, I'm going to get the... Tomorrow night, I'm going to get the crab pot in for him and see... uh, I've got to uh, see if I can get him a crab, but uh, I've got... uh, uh, chicken frame there, which I've left out out of the freezer and in the fridge for a week, and it's just about ripe enough, to buddy. Go all right, I reckon. <laughs> ripe enough. <laughs> yeah, well, they say they say fresh fresh baits the best for crabs, and it's probably true too. But uh, I, I, the, the best results I've ever got was uh, with a with a, um, a chicken frame was uh, the best being described as. Very ripe. <laughs> right. Now, now, have you got a special fridge where this ha- where you place these? This is not the the household fridge where. Oh, of course, you... it's the household fridge, mate. Really. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Just open the door and spray some spray some aerosol in. Oh my goodness! Goodness. I nah, know it's, it's it's locked away in one of those Ziploc bags, mate. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not that game. <laughs> Especially with Parramatta supporters, you've got to be careful. This oh, 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 uh, listen, hey, Swanee, 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 before yeah. you start, we've, I, I've, I've neglected to mention uh, King Bronco uh, from Toowoomba has rang in and says to Kieran, I know where you can get some smoked eel. Laugh out loud. <laughs> I love you, King Bronco. Keep it up, my friend. <laughs> well, the best one we ever did years ago. Um, the barmaid in the old pub at Boy, well, actually the baby of pub at Boy Boy, she was a mad cream Parramatta supporter. Just say uh, she's a Parramatta supporter, we'll assume well, she's mad. Just say mad, yeah. Anyway, uh, mate Archie and I, uh, we caught a big conger eel, and St George actually had won, had beaten them that day, that, that afternoon. And the next day we were in the pub, and, and I had some red and white streamers, which I'd wrapped around the dead eel's neck, and we tucked <laughs> it up over the bar. <laughs> She wasn't impressed when she came into work, I'll tell you. <laughs> but she wasn't going to go near it, so I'd have to stay there. I, I can't say I don't. Uh, I don't blame her. I don't blame her at all. Uh, you know, the, they don't have a sense of humour, Parramatta supporters. Yeah, no, no, she's pretty good, mate. Uh, I tickle her every now and again, and she laughs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll catch up later. 
All right then, yeah, yeah. Got a couple of things to do this morning. Get those, and, uh, yeah. Get those crab crab pots ready for Kieran. You've got all, a busy day, Swanee. Busy, busy yeah, day. It's a busy month by the sound of it. <laughs> Send him back as soon as you like. Yeah, I'll avoid the old girls in the park know that he's back. You know, when I told he's a millionaire with uh, you know, who's a bit of a player, so he's he'll be in for a torrid time. That's how many guys for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank you. Have a good one, Swanee. Okay, then we'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, a little bit better news. <laughs> but uh, uh, the way the weather report is at the moment, I think we're going to be saying the same thing next week. Uh, for, back side off, so. for goodness All sake, work. don't open that uh, plastic bag in the house. Oh, Even no I'll kill you. It's ba- actually, it's back in the freezer now. <laughs> I'll pull it out tomorrow. Sketchy. Have a good one, sir. Okay. There he is, Swanee, bringing us up to date with uh, rotten chicken by the sounds of that, Kieran. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I probably get one of the rooms cleared downstairs, we'll put a fridge in there. I've got a freezer down there, but I can't get to it at the moment. Yeah. Mate, what we're going to do is talk about Blake's Marine yeah. out there at Hawkesby, the standalone meeting today. Race, race four. four. Race, the Osbred flirt. Yes. And Alan does a Alan does a hell of a lot for the local community too. Some of it known, a lot of it not known. Too true, too true. Angel flights is one. Yep, yep. So uh, now you always I'll, wanna... I'll just quickly run the race tips. Is race one number two? Yeah. Race four number eight. Race yep. seven number seven. Then go to Melbourne. Race eight number five. He's a shocker. And that's what just happened. <laughs> and, of course, they are uh, racing at Mornington in Victoria today. But on the water, um, a lot going on this weekend, Kieran. There is a hell of a lot going on this weekend. And Today we're going to catch up with the Greater Sydney Area BSO, Boating Safety Officer, for those who don't know. McMaster um, joins us online. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, good morning, Kieran. Uh, Grant and Kieran, how are you going? Really good. Now, we've, we've got some important information to try and get out there uh, this weekend. And for a, a boating safety officer, um, this time of year, the final weekend of what is officially uh, the boating season, it seems the messages are the same because they're just not getting through. That's right. Look, I, I think um, one of the biggest things we're seeing is um, unserviced life jackets. Um but, um, you know, we, we're pushing through with our education uh, on servicing um, and, yeah, assisting where we can in that, um, that field. Now, on the unserviced, unserviced uh, life jackets, I, I did I'll, – I'll put my head up, and Kieran will vouch for this. I did cop a little bit of a slap from uh, Alan Blake the other day for not reading my brand spanking new, which I hadn't actually had out of the plastic bag, so I hadn't done the wrong thing yet – but probably would have, brand speaking new life jackets with um, manual or automatic um, inflation need to be checked, serviced before they go on the boat. Even if they're brand new, you might say, oh, okay, well, I'll do it after six months. No, out of the packet, they have to be done as well. That's correct. So the biggest thing for us is um, you've basically got to prove to us uh, when you purchased that life jacket. So on the inside of all those inflatables, on the bladder there or, or on a little tag, there'll be a service record. And on that service record, you need to write in your purchase date. Yep. Um, and it's always good every time before you use those jackets, 
um, before you put the boat in, just check that the um, the CO2 cylinder or the gas cylinder is screwed in firm, not not excessively tight, but just firm, and that that pull cord is sticking out the bottom of the jacket, um, so that if you need to inflate it, you can easily grab that cord and give it a pull. And, and Mick, I think it's a good thing to do too to be able to pull it apart and get an idea of how how it works as well. And not only is it you know you'll pick up things like particularly over time if there's you know starting to get any corrosion on any of the joints or perhaps something needs replacing. But having that basic understanding of how they work, I mean, Kieran's a big advocate for jump in a pool and set the thing off so that you know how it's going to react. And just having that. Uh, ability to look through it in detail, not a dumb idea at the best of times. Yeah, I agree. And, and Kieran, you know, great idea there, um, especially when it comes to your 12-monthly service. If you find that your CO2 cylinder's got some corrosion on it or doesn't weigh the right amount, um, put it back together and, and, yeah, put it on and inflate it because um, it is a, quite interesting to see what, what actually happens. And something important to remember, and, and it's a bit of an interesting one, I was chatting with a, uh, a guy, a commercial uh, fisherman during the week about this. If you're in a dinghy, and even if you're just heading out, you know, 20 feet out to your boat at the mooring or whatever, if you're in a dinghy solo, you've got to have a life jacket on. If That's there's right. two people in the in the dinghy, you can get away with it. However, if you're on a stand-up paddleboard, you don't need one. So... It's worthwhile knowing the rules. That's right, yeah. Um, the reason paddleboards don't have to wear life jackets is they're, they're not considered to be a, a vessel uh, at this stage. And they don't um, so tend they, to motor away from you either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you are right. If, if you're alone in a, a vessel less than 4.8 metres, um, you do have to wear your life jacket at all times. Or if you're not with another person over 12 years old, um, you have to wear and Mick, one of the biggest tips is something that Kieran is pretty hardcore about too. Just keep an eye out, keep a lookout when you're out on the water. Definitely, yeah. So you're not just looking for uh, other vessels. Um, you're looking at the conditions. You're looking at the depth of the water. Um, you're looking at the weather. Um, is a storm coming? Um, you know, those sorts of things. You're checking the seas. Um, there's there's lots of things you want to be looking, and and especially not just looking around in front of you, but also behind. Um, there's a common saying, you know, look astern before you turn. Um, you know, often see people just thinking, oh, they'll they'll turn, and someone's starting to overtake them or something like that. Um, so it's very important to keep a look right the way around. And hey, you... Mick, why yeah. haven't we got review mirrors on the boats? <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually do. I, uh, all my personal boats and my work boats, um, I, I do have a rear view mirror, especially for that reason. Legit. Yeah, yeah. I had them on my race boats. Yes, yeah, we, we, yeah, we have them on our ski boats. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about paddleboard um, guys a few moments ago, and while you may not have to wear a life jacket, I suppose, you know, it, it would be sensible, particularly in busy waterways, and you, you, you've been around a few busy waterways in your time, but keeping high-vis gear are, around so that people can see you, especially those like Kieran that are tearing along in their, uh, their, their, their speedboats. Yeah, definitely. Look, uh, it's always great to, uh, you know, be bright and be seen. Um, you know, bright coloured life jackets or, or shirts or anything like that. Um, if people can see you, uh, you know, it's a whole lot safer for, for you and for them. Um, 
And uh, I, personally, I, I would like to see people wear um, either a life jacket or a leg rope uh, when they're using a stand-up paddleboard. Yeah. Um, if you've not got a life jacket on, that leg rope could essentially save your life because it's attached you to that floating device. And they can they can get away very, very quickly too and, and travel quite a big distance. They can, definitely, yes. Yeah, just a gust of wind can um, split those inflatable um, sups quite quickly. Now, Mick, the Greater Sydney area, the BSA for the Greater Sydney area, that's, that's a big, big area that you've got uh, under your guys. I've got to correct you there. Um, I'm actually the boating safety officer for Jervis Bay. Oh, okay. Uh, they told so me Greater Sydney last, area. I got a last minute call in, so I'm a boating safety officer for Jervis Bay down the south Oh, coast. okay, okay. They told me the Greater Sydney area. So apologies for that. that no, hey, no, look, no, no, no. I know Reedy would love you down there. That's a great part of the world. That's right. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It is. Lovely. But it can be dangerous. That Jervis Bay can be dangerous. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Well, mate, we do appreciate your time on the program this morning. Some well, uh, some great words of advice for this weekend, and I hope uh, from your perspective it's a pretty quiet weekend as well. Thank you for your time this morning, and thanks for getting up so early at the last minute for us. <laughs> no, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah, I hope everyone enjoys their weekend. <laughs> Not from the greater Sydney area, but Jarvis Bay, the BSO, joining us online. Oh, you got to love live radio. Speaking of which, we'll be back with more of it right after this break. If building a new home is on your radar, you should think about doing it the Powell Kit Homes way. For your peace of mind, Powell Steel Frame Homes are six-star energy efficient and can be upgraded to C2 Cyclone and Bushfire Flame Zone ratings. To find out how you can build your own home, the Pal Kit Homes way, you go to Pal, that's P-A-A-L, kithomes.com.au, or you can phone Pal on 1-800-024-912. Got it? 1-800-024-912. If you're looking to start a business, buying a franchise is an excellent option, and with all group franchises, you'll have ongoing support. The home services industry is experiencing rapid growth as people are too busy to maintain their homes. All group franchises offers a range of home services for franchise options, including lawns and gardens, and you'll be trained in every aspect. Visit allgrouppranchises.com.au or call 0429 691 413. That's 0429 691 413. Brain tumour, migraine, dementia. Have you or someone you love been touched by a brain disorder, disease or injury? Help the ones you love by donating to research today. Visit brainfoundation.org.au. Recently retired and want to give back to the community? Looking to contribute to a worthwhile cause? Join View Clubs of Australia, a friendly women's network in your local community. View supports the Smith family to help Australian children in need break the cycle of poverty. Become a member today. Call 1-800-805-366 or go to view.org.au. Whether you dream of winning a Commonwealth Games gold medal or three, like the Australian Jackaroos, or you're just searching for your next social competitive sport, that could make you a local legend. The skills you've honed over a lifetime of playing sport will make you a legend on the bowls green. And that green is just up the road. Bowls. Local legends wanted. Find a club near you. Visit bowls.com.au and click on Find a Club. One in six Australian children are living in poverty. Eight-year-old Anna doesn't have what she needs to keep up at school. With your help, 
Children like Anna can access the learning support they need so they can build a better future. Search the Smith family and donate today. You know, a flat tyre is no problem at all when you carry the amazing Easy Jack in the boot of your car. With Easy Jack, you can raise and lower the height of your vehicle at the push of a button. Easy Jack comes with its own rattle gun so you can loosen and tighten those hard to budge wheel nuts. Easy Jack simply plugs into your car's 12 volt power source. So go to Easy Jack, that's E Z I J A K dot com dot A U, or phone Rebecca on 04272. 290297 This is 2SM Sydney More of High Tide on 2SM and the Super Network. Thanks to Shimano. Tomorrow's tackle today. If only I could go. 19 minutes away from 7 at 7 o'clock, we'll update the news for you. Weather-wise today, things aren't looking too bad if you're in the listening area. Mid-20s is the uh, forecast for today. A little bit brighter up there around Brisbane and more particularly, Kieran, the Gold Coast. You know where I'm heading here. I certainly do. You're going to talk to the man who knows it all. Mr. Paul Burt, good morning. How are you? Good gentlemen. I'm very well. Well, we don't have a very good phone line there by the sounds of things. It's a little bit patchy, my friend. Try again. Oh, no. How, how, how's that? Is that better? That is wonderful. That is wonderful. See, you're a, you're a man of many talents. Just press the buttons, mate. <laughs> I know the problem well. <laughs> How's your week been? Mate, awesome, thank you. You know, um, it's been very windy up here, as Kieran would uh, would uh, agree with. It's uh, We've got that very high, large high-pressure system to the south. The lows just slipped southeast of Tasmania. And basically, we're just seeing a, a, a very high trend of, of southeast trade winds up the entire eastern seaboard. And, you know, a few showers uh, just grazing the coast the last couple of days, and I think we'll see more of those coming through today, um, and and all the way through till probably next week, then maybe even next weekend. We're just going to see a few isolated coastal showers passing over, but um, very windy, very rough, and very annoying. So it was beautiful. What you're telling me, it was absolutely beautiful up there until Kieran got there. Pretty much, mate. Pretty <laughs> much. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, I'm surprised they didn't stop him at the tick gates at the border. But anyway, it's uh, it is what it is, and he's here now. So uh, illegal immigrant, we'll be okay with that. I went via the Northern Territory. <laughs> I knew there'd be a way he got in. I knew there'd be oh, a way he got in there. What's been happening fishing wise, mate? Uh, not a lot happening offshore, unfortunately, due to the weather. Yeah. But uh, mate, there's been some awesome catches of, of flathead throughout the rivers and creeks. The red claw are in great numbers out there at uh, Wyvernhoe and Somerset Dams uh, out near Kirkley. There's been some fantastic red claw out there. And we've also seen plenty of good-sized whiting in the rivers. So we did do a lot of whiting fishing this week, and that was fantastic. Um, I'm a big advocate of catching your own bait and targeting the fish in that area. But um, this week, we didn't get our blood worms or yabbies and the nippers. We ended up getting some beach worms, and the beach worms still produce some really good-sized whiting. Um, you know, we ended up bringing home a, a good bucket full, but I could only imagine if you had the right bait, uh, you'd bring home three bucketfuls. So there's a lot of whiting around at the moment there, Grant. And yeah, it's also cool. saying that, uh, yeah. Yeah, how much of the uh, of the beach worm do you put on the hook? Like a half inch or an inch? Yeah, it, it, good, good question, mate. It all depends on the size of the worm there, Kieran. Like if you're running, I'll, I'll run um, a couple of different hook sizes. So I'll generally run the standard three one nine one or say a long shank uh, size four, um, and then I'll run a, a size six. 
uh, just in case the fish are a little bit peckish and they're just going to sit on the worm. So you don't want to have the king worm. The king worm is a worm that is as thick as your finger. Um, mm. and, and that, that's too big. You can't even bend it on that real narrow uh, long shank whiting hook. So you want to go the medium-sized worms that are a little bit thinner, um, that have a lot more flexibility in the actual bend of the worm when he goes on your hook. And I'll put the hook... So the hook is about an inch and a half long, um, maybe an inch and three-quarter, but I'll pull the hook, uh, pull the worm probably about, um, say, a centimetre above the knot going from the uh, the leader to the hook. So yeah. the worm is actually going up onto the leader. And I'll leave about probably five mil um, hanging above the actual... Uh, barb of the hook as well so that way the worm you can't see the hook at all and and the worm is just still moving his end around near the hook end and his yep. tail still wobbling on the uh, on the fishing line excellent mm. and you need to change the weight of your sinker like the, the current we've had some really big high tides here um fishing at night time too by the way so massive tides at night and the thing is with that is you need to change the weight of your sinker so one of my rods had a size three ball sinker and the other one had a size 4, and I actually changed it to a size 5. Now, very rarely will I use a size 5 ball sinker, but in the estuaries, off the beaches, different story, but, um, you know, in the, in the rivers, and, and that one there still caught a hell of a lot of fish. So, you know, there's a... there's a, a, a Generally change the weight of your sinker to keep your bait down to the bottom. Whiting are not surface-feeding fish. They will come up in shallows and eat, you know, lures across the surface in, you know, 3, 4, 5 feet of water even, because it, it, it's emulating like a, 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 a like a, I guess it's um, like a prawn, you know, as a prawn scoots across the surface. So that's different because you're fishing sand flats and all that. But in a river, um, you know, you want to be fishing um, where it goes from, say, you know, 10 feet up to 3 feet or, or 5 feet down to 15 feet. Find those ledges. And, and I run a Garmin sounder, and on my sounder, I'm looking for waves on the bottom. What that means, it's structured waves of the sand on the bottom, not just a flat, dead bottom. You need to have... It'll look like a wave coming across your screen. And that's just the... If you think of the beach gutters, um, you've got those little wavy areas of the beach because of the sand moving and it forms little gullies. Um, that's what you want to find on your sounder. Find that, you'll find the one. Yeah. Uh, Paul, um, there was some talk about the bronze whalers being on the beaches up here as well. Yeah, mate, we've had a... We've had a, there was a report a week ago, a trawler went down called the Sea Titan out of the Gold Coast here. We've had a few trawler losses over the past couple, uh, last year or two now. But um, anyway, um, reports of that one there was either A, the transducer or the, the bilge pump had come um, corrosive underneath the hull and came through around the metal bracket. Either that was one of the reports. The thing's sitting in 60 metres of water, so if they put a diver on it, I'm sure they'll know. But the other report is um, that a shark got entangled uh, between the propeller and the drive shaft. Um, and generally, if that happens, uh, it can be bad things because, you know, this shark's pretty big. Um, and uh, the uh, drive shaft or maybe the propeller, something's kicked up and, and basically speared through the hull and taken in water and she, she sunk. Sea Titan is an, an amazing boat, beautiful boat too. Um, good prawn trawler, big red, you know, two-story thing. Uh, anyway, so, you know, the crew came off safely, so that's the main thing. Um, but... The shark situation up here is... I mean, trawlers have always had the problems with sharks. Sharks have always followed trawlers because, you know, they're, they're a bait attractant, you know, for, for sharks to get the, the feed as they throw the stuff off the side. But the amount of sharks, whoever you talk to will notice and, and tell you a shark story, particularly offshore. Now, we had some 
guy from Bon Juni talking on that news story that we did on Channel 7, saying there's the same amount of sharks. There's no more sharks, no less sharks. He goes, the same amount of sharks. The only reason why we're seeing more sharks is because we live in a digital era. Okay, so digital era means that people are taking photos of these things because they want to. This is what this man was saying. Well, I'd like to see this guy out on a boat actually fishing. Um, and, and having the history of people, anglers around Australia, particularly the tropics and subtropical areas, noticing that the amount of sharks are not just there, but what the sharks are doing is they're getting bigger, and they're big. They've had 10 years of protection. Any shark in Queensland that's over 1.5 metres in length cannot be touched. Go back a decade or two ago, you could. Mm-hmm. And we'd have them for flake and all that. And if you're out there fishing on the reef a decade ago, you could get away from the two or three foot sharks because they're smaller. And you're, you're pulling up a nice red emperor, cold trout, snapper, pearl perch, whatever. And you're pulling those fish up and you're getting away from those small sharks, no dramas. But now the sharks are bigger and they've had protection put across them. Um, you, you, you can't get away from it. And the problem sharks that we're seeing are not just, you know, it, it seems to be the two main ones are whaler sharks, bronze whalers, and bull sharks. They're the two problem species. I don't care if we put a, 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 a ban on, you know, a protection on hammerheads, uh, you know, obviously grey nurse, you know, tiger sharks, all that stuff. That's, I don't mind that. But these other problem sharks are the problems, and they're the bronze whalers or the whaler sharks and also the bull sharks. And they're bigger numbers. Even the boys in Moreton Bay catching the, the, their sand crabs have to throw food out one side of the boat while they pull the pot down the other side, otherwise <laughs> the sharks are getting into their pots. Unbelievable. Um, we, we would go to Harvey Bay and normally bring back an esky full of fish, and it would cost you a couple of thousand dollars. Time you get up there and fuel, time, effort, boat, everything for a, for a three-day trip cost you a couple of grand. Now, I went up there last year and we brought back two fish. I'm not saying I can fish well, but I, I, I know my stuff. But, but we brought back two fish because of the sharks was such an issue that you couldn't bring back a solid amount of fish. You go to one spot, you'd pull up one and you'd be moving straight away. And the sharks yeah. would follow you. Paul, we have to leave it there, but Saturday yep. is my favourite day because I work all day Sunday, and Saturday is Encore Day for Step Outside. Mate, we do, yeah, Saturdays and Mondays, uh, we, we throw it up there. So um, just jump onto the 7 Plus app, and you'll see all the seasons. So we're on Season 5 at the moment. Episode uh, 8 goes to where this, uh, this weekend, uh, tomorrow. So, um, yeah, check it out, everyone. It's going to be uh, always a lot of interesting stuff there and tips and just if, so you, when you step outside, you can um, you know you can enjoy it at the same time. Last week we had our uh, threadfin salmon story going on here, which is really cool. So you can check that out. Season five, episode seven, that was with Brian Vines up here in beautiful Queensland. We might have a chat to you about garfish tomorrow. I know Kieran's uh, keen to find out a little bit yeah. more about that, so we'll have a chat then. Yeah. I love the garfish, mate. They're a great delicacy, and uh, I tell you what, they're great fun to catch. The mini marlin of the estuaries, we call. You're a legend, Paul Bert there, and step outside doing uh, the encore today and on Mondays, apparently, as well. Kieran, joining us on the line at the moment is Greg Reed, who we're just talking with uh, his BSO online uh, a few moments ago. Morning, Greg. How are you? Hi, you're talking with Mr. Buffin. Yes, yes, we are. Yes, we were. Great guy, too. Very passionate and uh, well, well presented. Speaks very well and knows his topics. Nah, all the BSOs do a really good job. Don't they what? How have you been? Yeah, never better. Never better. A bit overcast down here this morning, though. Uh, But, yeah, good weekend coming up for boating. So um, if offshore boating is your thing, uh, you'll be loving it. Uh, We've had subtleties all through the week. 
Um, as, as Paul just said there before, that um, that high pressure system, the southeast trades are smashing Queensland. We're sort of sitting right under that high now. Um, so the winds are backing off down here, so we should have light air today, tending southeasterly, coming up a bit more tomorrow. Um, got a bit of an easterly swell. The fishing's been a bit quiet this week with the lead up to the dark. Um, particularly on the beaches, I've just noticed that, um, yeah, it was a little bit slow, but that, that situation should change now that we've come off the dark and the moon. We've got a really, uh, really big high tide tonight, I think around about 1.94. Um, so things should be on the improve from here, but yeah, school sharks on the beach down here, mate, like since they stopped. That canning, um, the cannery down in Eden many years ago, and you know when it wasn't that long ago, there were seventy trawlers in Ulladulla. I tell you what, there's a lot more sharks in this part of the world as well. But um, you'll get a few school sharks on the beaches. Um, try the the uh, tides later on this afternoon if you want to fish the beach uh, from the Sandman and Taylor. The um, in terms of St George's Basin, the surface bite slows down a little bit. Afternoons are going to be better at the moment for your uh, surface lures across the top. But um, there's some good tailor in the basin at the moment, up to a couple of kilo. We've um, we've had reports of fish are 60 centimetres plus, and and the basin's famous for those 70 centimetre plus tailor. Um, you'll need uh, need some deep diving lures, and um, you'll need about a 60 pound leader on the end, about a foot of it. Um, as opposed to wire, and if you want to go trolling for those, um, you should be able to troll up a, um, a bit of fun with one of those around one of the headlands. But, um, yeah, all in all, I'm, I'm actually glad the southerlies have sort of gone away. They were they were pretty strong there a, a few days ago, but um, now we're coming back onto the dark, and, and that high pressure is coming across. Uh, with, uh, things are looking good this weekend, fellas. They kicked up a, it kicked up a bit of swell on the beaches. Oh, yeah, sure did. No, it's great. I just, just need that wind to go back round to the north. And um, yeah, a lot of our beaches down here, um, um, south of Jervis Bay, are offshore with uh, with the northerlies. So yeah, been some really good waves around. Um, water temp's still really lovely down here. It's um, it's still got to be 21.5, 22 degrees. Um, obviously, with the air temps now um, at the back end of April, uh, they've cooled down. So yeah, you need a four three mil wetsuit. But um, yeah, in the ocean itself, um, yeah, it's it's. It's pretty good. The water sort of greened off a little bit. I think um, once we get a few more days of westerlies, that'll start that inshore current, um, which will hopefully keep you know start to sort of fire up the snapper a little bit more. Um, there have been a, a reports of a few kings sort of around the headlands, but I still think the water's a bit too warm for it. Uh, at 22 degrees, they're not that sort of getting towards the upper end, 22 and 24, the, the kings just get a bit sluggish. Um, we need that temp just, just to get down to around about that 20 degree mark. Yeah. Uh, 18 to 20 degrees are much better for kings. Reedy, uh, if we... Yeah, I was going to ask you about drift and the, the uh, rocky ledges, but we'll leave that for next week. Yeah, one question I do want to ask, Reedy, what sort of lure should we be using? Uh, you can have the prey minnow... XT, which is extra tough. We've just redone that with the TPE-style uh, uh, soft bait. Uh, very stretchy, 222mm, and my favourite colour is chopper. <laughs> the kingfish rigged on a one-ounce 7.0 jig head. Uh, you could do some of the kariki braid. That'll be around starting with 30-pound, 60-pound uh, litre, and just jig the hell out of that. You should see the action in that. Good on, good on you, buddy. Thank you very much right. for your time this Have morning. A great weekend. <laughs>
Greg Reid there, and of course, doing a great job for us. Kieran, we're completely out of time. Oh, I've got to bring that back up, haven't I? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> See, See you later. Keep your eye on the sky, everyone. But as sure as yabbies bite your toes, this boyhood story had to end.